Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. friends in podcast land and welcome to episode 75 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host Michael McCall and I'm flying solo this episode as we bring you another special Tales from the Training Ground. Now Steve and myself hope to bring you another podcast episode later this week in which we'll kind of look a little bit back at the Shavis game and ahead to the LA game on Saturday. So I don't really want to talk too much about the Shavis game on Saturday, because frankly, well, there really isn't too much to talk about. 0-0. Second 0-0 result in three games. Third clean sheet in a row, though. So it depends how you want to look at it. Glass half full, glass half empty, as the article I wrote on whitecapsfc.com on Monday kind of covered. Another aspect of that is the Whitecaps are unbeaten in six games, or... Just one win in the last seven. Again, how do you want to look at that? Glass half full, glass half empty. There were a couple of positives that you could take from the Shivas game. Great performance by Russell Tiber, who came in as captain. Stephen Betashur as well, I thought, had one of his best games as a white cap. And for me, the man of the match was Johnny Leveron. I just think Johnny had just such a solid game. Him and Andy O'Brien are really forming a very, very good partnership in the centre of defence. So it's going to be interesting to see what Kyle Robinson does now that Kendall Waston is at the club and looking to get him into the team. Now, one of those positives that we mentioned that you can take out of Saturday's game was a third straight clean sheet in a row. With the way that the team had leaked goals prior to the World Cup break, a lot of focus has been put on kind of shoring up the defence, not making them so leaky, not making so many mistakes, basically not shooting themselves in the foot so much. There's still been a couple of incidents, Rio Coker's two penalties that he gave away, Carlisle Mitchell's still inexplicable handball that he did in the box that gave away the penalty against Dallas. But the three clean sheets in a row has given the defence a lot of confidence. And a lot of the credit for that has been given to Andy O'Brien, who's come back into the team for the last two games. So let's hear some of the players' thoughts on those clean sheets. First of all, we're going to hear from goalkeeper David Oustead, then right back Stephen Betashur, and finally striker Omar Salgado. Three straight clean sheets for you guys. Just what's been the key to your guys' defensive kind of success? I think we've been sound on there. I think we've defended well, marking up, uh, clearing when we needed to, and uh, I think uh, especially um, the back four has been solid, but the midfield as well has has helped out a lot by uh, not allowing those runs uh, to get through. 
how much of your confidence has been the fact you had three clean sheets the last three games? You know, how how have, how's that made you feel? The fact you've been able to keep the ball out of the net? Um, it's great. Uh, you know what, the keeper uh, as a keeper, you like to, to to keep those clean sheets. Um, that said, uh, I'll I'll trade in in some of the clean sheets for a win soon. Um, I'm I'm glad that we're having clean sheets. It's uh, showing that we've been doing really well down there. But uh, I'm still uh, in the mindset that we need to go win the games. Three straight clean sheets, uh, like they've mentioned. Just what's been the key to you guys' kind of defensive success the last few games? Um, there's a lot of things that go into kind of team, team defending uh, our back line. You know, having Andy back, especially he's you know he's an anchor back there and he talks a lot, which is great. Um, and, and we're just sticking sticking close to each other and working well together, so that's been good. Three straight clean sheets for you guys. Just what's kind of been the key to that um, defensive kind of success? Yeah, we've we've uh, played very well um, defensively. We've done very well. I think. Um, big key to our success has been Andy O'Brien and uh, Johnny. They've uh, really done well for us and, and kind of uh, organized us very well. Now talking of Omar Salgado, of course one of the other big talking points that came out of Saturday's game was Omar's little kind of hissy fit, his strop when he got subbed off in the 61st minute. Omar, for those that didn't see it, ran off the pitch didn't acknowledge the coaching staff, didn't acknowledge his teammates, the handshakes that were out, just ran past them all and sat down on the bench. Now, that in isolation, it's no big deal. I mean, it's something you see in football matches around the world every weekend. And unfortunately for Omar, he's not a first-time offender. He's kind of stormed off the pitch before. He did it in pre-season when his family were at one of the games in Arizona. Didn't acknowledge Carl then. He's done it before. He's shown attitude at training before. He's got into fights with teammates at training on several occasions this year. He's got into kind of a fight with Kikuta Mane. He's got into a fight with Samara Kugbe. He's got in a fight with Jordan Harvey. And then I wasn't at training last week, but someone fed back to me that he kind of got into a bit of a pushing match with Pedro Morales. So he has got form. That's why this attitude that he has shown on Saturday has become such a big issue. It's maybe been a little bit overblown by some aspects of the media. And I'm also not sure that it does anyone any good to have certain media people calling him out, calling him an idiot on air and and just saying what, what a bad person he basically is for the club. But anyway, Omar addressed it today. He apologised. Carl Robinson addressed it as well. So let's hear a little bit now from Omar and Carl just talking about what happened at the weekend. A big talking point, obviously, from Saturday was how you came off the pitch. A lot's been made of it. Is it just frustration that you haven't had playing time or is it just frustration that you weren't getting the goals? Yeah, I was, it was emotional. It was never against Robo. I talked to Robo. Um, I was upset that... Uh, more frustrated that uh, things weren't, weren't going our way. It was difficult to, to break their line and and uh, coming off, I, I was uh, feeling like it was opening up and I was just like, damn, I might have been able to score then. <laughs> it's not been the first time this season you've had some clashes in training with teammates and stuff. Do you feel you maybe bring too much intensity to the game sometimes? Yeah, I'm just uh, an emotional person, I guess. <laughs> uh, I like to, to bring out the passion to, to the field and and uh, yeah, sometimes I, I get a little frustrated and, and uh, I don't directed in the right way and, and yeah it was a, a mistake I should I should fix um, shouldn't come out that way but uh, I apologize to the team and, and I, I was sorry you happy with uh, how Omar handled um, his apology with your, with your team? yep 
Yeah, totally. I said uh, Omar apologised to me after the game. I said at the time it wasn't accept- acceptable. I said uh, I'm thick-skinned, I can deal with it. He apologised to the group this morning. I think he apologised to you guys as well uh, in relation to, you know, that's not what we're about. Dealing with 22, 24 players, young players in a, in a locker room is, you know, you're going to get your ups and downs. You know, I've been in dressing rooms where... You know, you don't want to be a fly on the wall. You know, I can deal with someone um, not shaking my hand or stuff like that, but it doesn't happen again. And I made him aware of it. He's apologised to the group because it's about the group. It's not about any individual. And we move on. And now he's he's got to get his head down and work hard and show that he deserves to be part of this squad again. I think the Omar, though, is like, he's, he's had at least three flare-ups with teammates yep. so far in training. He has, year. yeah. He's had other things where he's stormed yep. off. How many chances do you yep. give a guy? Oh no, good question. It's you know it, Omar's part of the squad at the moment, and and the until he's not part of the squad, will be the day that I stop working with him. He's part of the squad. Uh, we'll work with him, continue to progress with him, um, and we'll just see how it goes along. You know, he, he made a mistake. Young players make mistakes, and you're right. He has made three or four mistakes, and he has got to learn, and he's got to learn sooner rather than later. Um, you know, only he will know if he if he doesn't do it again, if he does do it again, or. Um, if anything else happens, then you know we'll deal with it. But it's been it's been nipped in the bud. It's been dealt with internally as well. He's apologised to the group, and I've said to the guys, every one of them is going to be in a situation where maybe it doesn't go their way. On Saturday, it didn't go Omar's way. He was frustrated with his performance, but you know he handled it the wrong way. But he's dealt with it. You know we've drawn a line under it, and we move on. Now we're not for one minute condoning Omar's reaction, and basically, it's kind of got to the stage that ourselves and a number of other people they're. It's kind of almost the straw that broke the camel's back. After he did it on Saturday, for me, that was it. I thought, look, he's had so many chances. He is not learning. We just need to ship this guy out. But I gave it a couple of days. I thought about it. Didn't comment too much on it. And basically, the way that the Whitecaps are just now, we're in dire need of strikers. We only have four on the books. We've got Kakuta Mani. He's out of form. We've got Eric Atado, he's out of form. We've got Darren Mattix, who is scoring, but misses a bucket load of chances as well. We need a player like Omar to be good and contributing to the team. And if he really is serious and sincere and contrite about that apology, maybe we should give him one more chance, at least to the end of the season, just to see if he mends his ways. But I tell you what, if he does it again, if he does not learn from this, it's last chance saloon. And and Omar knows this and he knows that he really has to kind of somehow, it's almost like go to anger management classes because he seriously has some kind of attitude problem where he is just too fired up. He's got too much testosterone. He's just too intense. Whatever it is, he has to calm down. He has to calm down at training. He has to calm down on the pitch. I like a player with passion. I like a player that kind of wears his heart on his sleeve and wants it so bad. And that is what Omar wants. He is frustrated just now, and I do get that. He is young as well, and I do get that. But you have to show a level of maturity. There's also an element, I think, that since he's been 17, he's been in MLS. Up until that time, people have probably blown a lot of smoke up his ass told him how good he was. He was the number one draft pick in 2011. He's had these horrendous injuries. He's probably never had to deal with setbacks like this in his career. He's only used to people telling him how good he is. And he's just never had any good way of coping with it and never good mentoring of coping with it. Cal Robinson has done wonders with Darren Mattick's attitude. Can he do it with Omar Salgado's? 
Omer has to want to change for that to happen. I'd like to believe he does. I'd like to believe that that apology was sincere and we will see a different Omar. Time will tell. Now in all this, you have to remember Omar is 20. I think we can all remember what we were like as 20-year-olds. We were not, well, me particularly, I can definitely say I wasn't the most mature guy. I didn't handle things well. That's what I put a lot of Omars down to. On the flip side of that, though, you do have other players on the team who are around the same age, the same age, even younger, who show a lot more maturity than what Omar does. Let's look at Russell Tybert. He's 21. Omar's going to be 21 soon as well. Now, Russell has been given the captain's armband. He wore it in the Voyagers Cup games. He wore it on Saturday against Chivas. He has shown maturity. And I just want to kind of play a little bit of Russell from training today as well, just to kind of show you the difference between two players. Someone that's having to apologise for a hissy fit, and then someone that's wearing the captain's armband and wants to learn, knuckle down, and be a captain for the future. So here's some things that Russell Tiber had to say from training today. You know what? Um, I think all year long the coaching staff has been working with me on different things, different parts of my game. And more recently it's about uh, my passing range. It's something that I like doing. It's something that they've been working out with me, and it's something that I feel like I'm getting better at. Um, when in that role in the center of the midfield, that's something you have to have in your game. And obviously, with a manager like uh, Carl Robinson, he is a midfielder, and he, he can teach you those kinds of things. I've been working on with Gordon, working on with Purdy, and uh, you know it's something that I want to take into my game, and I have have done this uh, this past week. But even when I'm not in the team, even when you know the, the manager decides for that game, it's better personnel for that game, different guys. You know, I'm still going to work at it in training, and, and that's the thing. Whether we're playing or whether you're not playing on this team, you're going to get work. Coach staff's going to treat you as if you are playing, and uh, and they're going to take care of you, and, and they're looking for your best interest. So that didn't just happen overnight in one week. That's been, you know, taught and addressed by the coaching staff all year long. It just happened to to show that game against us. You're in defensive midfield on the weekend, and of course with, with Kofi dealing with an injury, Lab is suspended. Do you feel you'll be needing to step up again this weekend in that role? Well, it's not, it's, it's not a one-man show. It's, a, it's 11 guys, and 11 guys need to, need to show up. 11 guys need to show leadership. And um, on that day, I, I was the captain. But, you know, Pedro come on the field, and Pedro was the captain of this team. But that being said, we need to have 11 guys that act like a captain. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to be one of those guys that is a leader and that does lead by example and that does organize, it, organize and does communicate. Um, I think, you know, when we go down and play against L.A., everybody needs to be talking. Everybody needs to step up to the plate. Everybody needs to be a leader. So Whitecats, as we said, back in training on Tuesday. And it was a very intense session. The players were really up for it. They were flying into tackles. A lot of verbals going on. Lots of anger going on as well when mistakes were made. Johnny Leveron at one point got beaten a move by Darren Mattox and kicked the ball away in frustration because he was mad at himself for, for letting Mattox get past him. Andy O'Brien and Nigel Rio Coker exchanged words, a few F-bombs dropped. And just the players, they know it's down to the serious business end of the season and they want to do well. They also know that they're all playing for places as well. And that intensity was fierce today. It was a word that we used watching from the sidelines. It was a word that the players and the management all used when they came off the pitch independently of each other as well. There's a very fine line with intensity and you don't want to be too tough. You don't want to be 
going into two hard tackles on your teammates. Omar Salgado at one point went in really hard on Kendall Waston, and Waston came up limping, and you're kind of thinking, oh no, is the new guy injured? He seemed fine by the end of the session. But that's when kind of the intensity can boil over a little bit, and... Carroll sat them down, he spoke to them at the end of the, the training session and said, look, you guys need to rein that in. I'm all for passion, I'm all for intensity, but we don't want to hurt our teammates. You want to keep that for LA and you want to take that fire in your belly and show it on Saturday at the StubHub Centre. At the end of the session, Carl Robinson actually sat the players down and, and had a word with them just about you, being sensible, not flying into tackles against your teammate, keeping that aggression and that anger and that frustration for the opponents this coming Saturday in LA. And he, he used a very good analogy where he basically said, if, if you look at these small yappy dogs that you see in dog parks, they're always barking, they're always kind of going up to the bigger dogs and barking at them and, and trying to kind of say, hey, look, you should be scared of me and, and kind of show that they're aggressive. But really, they're not. They're kind of a bit cowardly. And they're doing that because they don't want any aggro. Whereas you maybe have a quiet Doberman that comes along or a quiet Staffordshire Bull Terrier. And he doesn't make all those noises. He doesn't do the barking. But you know he could rip that little dog's head off at the end of the day. But he just goes about his business quietly. So that was kind of the, the thing that Carl was trying to get across to players. You've got players that will be noisy during games, they'll mouth off during games, they'll they'll not like a flare player getting the better off them and making them look foolish and then when the flare player gets the ball again they're going to try and kick them but they can't get close to them so they kind of run around a bit and it's them that ends up looking foolish and you want to be the quiet guy, the flare guy that takes it all in his stride and doesn't let things get to him and that's the players that are going to win matches and be the difference makers in matches. So that was the message that Carl Robinson was getting across with a few fun dog impressions thrown in. So we're going to hear what the players thought of today's intense training session. So first of all, we're going to hear from Carl Robinson, and then David Oustead, Stephen Beatishur, Omar Salgado, and finally, Russell Tiber. <laughs> that we get to do some dog impressions. Ah, I just... <laughs> do you know what I was saying or not? Yeah. Right, okay. Just so you know that it was relevant. To, no, I heard um, it was very good. Right. Okay. I guess just going off that, what was kind of the message you were preaching at the end there towards the group? Yeah, I'm not telling you. <laughs> okay. No, okay. No, I was just trying to say that we 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 got to stick together as a team. We really have, and um, you know, sticking together means getting the best out of each other, but in a, respect, a respectable way. Training was very intense today, and you know, it's a it's a very fine line between bordering on. Uh, competing and going over the top, and we've got to make sure that we compete without going over the top of each other. We save that for the weekend. Yeah, it looked like a pretty intense session out there. Was that the case? Yeah, definitely. Um, nice to see the, the fire in the eyes and uh, the will out there. Uh, that's what we need. That's what we need Monday to Friday, and that's what we need in the weekend. So, um, great training session. And was that the message from the coach, coaching staff at the end there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know what? There might be a couple of free kicks here and there. There might uh, be someone uh, kicking lumps out of you, but that that's the case. That's the game. Uh, that'll happen Saturday as well. So reacting right to it and working hard. Uh, seemed like a pretty intense session out there. Was that the case out there? Yeah, it was definitely intense yeah. out there, kind of game-like, which is nice. You know, you want to train how you play, so it was good. Omar, it looked like a pretty uh, intense session out there. Did you guys kind of feel that as well? Yeah, you could really tell. It was really intense today. Um, if we keep training like that, we're going to win MLS Cup. <laughs> What do you think the reason for that kind of intensity was today in particular? Um, I don't know. There's a lot of competition for spots, obviously. Um, 
there's, there's just a lot of competition to, to get in the starting lineup, so you could feel it in training. Uh, it looked like a pretty intense training session out there today. So what was the, the focus of today's training session? Get back to work. We, uh, we got a point on the road in LA and against Chivas, and now we're headed down to LA again to, to, to go against the Galaxy. So today is just about getting right back to work, doing the, the little things right, focusing on details, getting back to basics, and uh, putting the hard work in. And I think for everyone that was watching, for guys that were a part of training today, you know, they can really tell you that today was an intense training session, but it's competitive. And, you know, once we leave the field, everybody forgets about it and we go back to being a family in the locker room. Now, part of the intensity and part of the the kind of anger and frustration is the fact that the Whitecaps have drawn so many matches this year. 12 draws, so many points thrown away. And when you look at the league table, they're currently fifth. That's excellent. They're in the playoff spots. Their fate is in their own hands. When you look at the points that they've lost, they've lost seven points to Chivas, two to Montreal, two to Chicago, two against Dallas in a game that they dominated. That's 13 points. You look at the standings and it's like you add that 13 points in and the Whitecaps are leading the supporters' shield race. Now I know it's all ifs and buts and you can't look at that. Every team can kind of point to games where they should have had more points than they have. If the Queen had ball, she'd be the King. All that kind of stuff. But it's hard not to look at it. The team is so close to being a serious, serious contender. Instead, we're fifth. In danger of the top four teams kind of leaving us a little bit adrift and just basically finding ourselves battling with Colorado and Portland. Probably not San Jose now, who I think have dropped out of it a bit. But battling with those teams for maybe that final playoff spot. It was something that the players kind of addressed today. They looked at the current position what it means for the playoffs, whether the team can push forward and make the playoffs. So let's hear the thoughts of David Ousted, Stephen Betashur, Omar Salgado and Russell Tiber. Obviously you guys would like more wins, but undefeated in six and still in the final playoff position. Can you be somewhat pleased with that? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there's been talk a lot about the, the draws and everything. We're still undefeated in a lot of games. Uh, I think we only lost uh, two out of the last 17, so we still need to build on that. We still need to be happy about that. Uh, but but knowing that, we need to, to go for those wins. And just Are you confident this team has what it takes to kind of go on a nice little run here towards the end of the season? Uh, definitely. I think we have what it takes to, to, to get into to the playoffs and, 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 like I said, get those wins. It's, a, it's down to the little details. We've been really sound the last three, four weeks defensively. Um, those details have, have, have gone our way and we've been working on it. Now it's turning the attention to the little, little details uh, offensively. Obviously, the team would like a little bit more wins, but you guys are undefeated in six and still in the, in the playoff position. Can you, can you be somewhat pleased with that? Yeah, we're, we're pleased that we're in uh, fifth place. Uh, I think we could do better um, coming into the Galaxy game. You know, being them would would put us in a good spot, and coming home against Portland would uh, put us in even a better spot. So hopefully, we can get a, a win in in LA and and keep moving forward. The team struggled a little bit this season against That's the weaker teams. Do you feel that having a, a top team like LA and then having Portland the week after it's really going to help the, the club push on a bit? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think uh, once we we can get a goal in, we can start getting wins. We're we're gonna we're gonna do fine. I think. Uh, we, well, I feel like we're gonna be able to make the playoffs here, and we're gonna do all we can to to make it happen. You guys obviously would like a couple more wins, but you're undefeated in six, still in the in the playoff position. Uh, are you fairly happy with where you are heading into the final stretch here? I think if you're content, then you're not pushing for the top, and we're pushing for the top, so we're not content. 
we know that we have a good base. We know that we have a good team. We know that we have a good coaching staff, and we're, we're in a great organization. Um, we're going forward. We're not, we're, we haven't plateaued, and we're going to keep going forward. We're going to keep pushing. And we know that wins are important. We know that three points are important, whether we're, we're at home or whether we're away. Um, we're going to push for the win like we tried to do in Chivas. Um, and now that's exactly what we have to do when we go for the Galaxy. So next up for the Whitecaps is another trip down to Carson in the StubHub Centre. LA Galaxy, the opponents. One loss, one draw against LA so far. Don't want to talk too much about this game because Steve and me are hoping to possibly do a pre-game show just in, in the lead-up to it. We'll hopefully get that done at training on Thursday. But I want to play a little bit of the early audio from training this week about what the players are thinking for this game coming up with LA. So we're going to hear again from Ousted, Betasure, Solgado, Russell Tiber and Coach Kyle Robinson on just the, the kind of game they're expecting against LA and the threat that the Galaxy will pose and if what the Whitecaps can do to address that. So you guys played the Galaxy twice in April. Just talk a bit about them and kind of the challenges they pose. Um, a great team. Uh, you've seen it uh, week in, week out. Uh, they're, they're good offensively. They're, they have some guys up front that can score goals, but also I think they've shown defensively that they can uh, they can keep a uh, team from scoring. Uh, so uh, that's going to be a tough test, but something I think uh, we have the tools to, to, to solve. And with the Galaxy coming out this weekend, just what's the key to kind of getting a positive result against that team? Yeah, they're a good team. You know, I know they had a, a tough outing last weekend, but um, up until that point, they've they've been very dynamic offensively, and they like to counter. So we just have to stay organized when we have the ball, um, and that's something that you know Andy and myself we try to do. We try to talk to the guys in front of us, make sure we're focused and concentrating. Uh, you know, just because we have the ball doesn't mean we can just switch off. Um, and, and also just also doing the little things like we did last game. I thought we did a great job. Um, the attention to detail was great, and we just have to keep that going this uh, Saturday. Playing on the same pitch in two weeks in a row must kind of help because it's, a, it's big and it's wide and the dimensions of it. Uh, getting sort of that on-pitch experience of it must be kind of helpful when you're going to go back there and play on the same surface. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's, uh, it's always nice when you have that. It's kind of like playing at home two times in a row. So over there, we got to play on the grass. We're used to it. Uh, I don't know if, uh, I feel like Galaxy might water their pitch a little bit more. It seemed a little dry with Chivas. I actually think they just wet our defensive side in the second half and kept the offensive side dry. So I don't know if you guys want to look into that, but it seemed that way. You guys went kind of toe-to-toe -toe with the Galaxy back in April. Can you take kind of confidence from those performances heading into this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, anytime you, you play a team, you kind of know what they're like. Uh, they're obviously a very good team. They got great movement off the ball, um, and you know they're a bunch of veterans who've been there. They've won a couple championships in the past year, so it's going to be a tough game. Um, and we'll we'll see once come Saturday. You know who, who wants it more. You've had some success against the Galaxy in your careers. What's it about that team that kind of brings out the best in you? I think these games are one of the best games to play in. You know, you touch on Portland, you touch on Seattle, and for me, uh, I like playing against LA. I like playing against you know a so-called top team in this league, and. Uh, it's, it's always nice going out, playing against the best, and trying to beat the best. We certainly have a lot of great players, and they certainly have a lot of great players. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a great match. It's going to be an exciting match, and uh, I just can't wait for the weekend. Three straight clean sheets for you guys. Just what's the key to kind of make sure that happens against guys like Keane, Donovan, Zardes, and whatnot? Details, little details. Um, you can't look over the small things, and that's what we addressed here today. Um, our shape, you know, our communication, our organization. Little things that the coaching staff have been taking care of all year long and have been dressing all year long and that we have taken care in training all year long. So we just need to show that on the weekend. 
just going into the weekend, uh, you've played with Galaxy twice this year, just how, how tough a team are they? They're a very good team, they're a top team in our conference, which is very strong. Um, I got told today that we've played them six times away from home and lost six games, so it's going to be a very interesting game for us. Um, it's a game that we've got to go in with no fear and go and enjoy ourselves because I'm sure no one will expect us to do nothing. I do. I expect us to go there and put on a positive performance, uh, do the ugly jobs very well, and then try and put our own stamp on the game. So that's what we'll be working on all week. That's your th uh, that'll be their third game in three, Carl. You've been on the other end yep. of that. Uh, is that a, a slight advantage and an opportunity for you guys? It can be. Uh, but they're a very strong team. They've got a very strong squad, and you know I'm sure that Bruce will look at that with the game in Colorado on Wednesday and decide what he thinks is the best way to approach it. Uh, those three games in a week, and it is hard to manage it. The schedule sometimes a little bit unbalanced for certain teams at certain stages. So hopefully we can try and take advantage of that. We'll have a good week's training. We'll try and be fresh to uh, put on a good performance. You guys put in two kind of good performances. You guys yep. said back in April. Can you take some confidence from that uh, heading into this weekend? Yes, we can. We haven't beaten them <laughs> this year, which is uh, unfortunate. We, we played very well at their place without getting anything, and we played very well at home with a 2-2 tie, I believe. So it's a tough game for us. Um, it's a game where I know that they'll come and attack us, and hopefully we'll be able to attack them. A uh, very open game. But if we concentrate on what we can do, then there's a good chance we can get a very good result. Now, for me, there's no doubt that the White Caps still need a little bit of freshening up. There's been players linked to the White Caps. The latest one was Julian Jenner, a Dutch winger striker who is kind of out of favour with his Hungarian side. He's played in the in the Dutch leagues. He's played in Hungary, and he's kind of on a free at the moment. He has had interest as well from the Championship. There's been interest shown from Wolverhampton Wanderers and from Blackpool. Now, Blackpool are in a bit of a mess at the moment, so I don't see that being as big an appeal. Unless Blackpool say to him, look, we want to build the club around you, which might appeal to him a little bit. For me, if you were given the option just now of playing in the Championship with Wolverhampton Wanderers or coming to MLS and playing with the Whitecaps, as a player... I would pick right now Wolves because Wolves are on the rise again. They had a great season in League One last year, stormed to the championship, looking to do well in the championship this year and then get back to the into the Premier League. So, I mean, the options for a player to go there, I think, at this stage of his career is maybe what's going to be what sways him. We don't know if he's had that offer yet. He said he's going to decide this week. But Cal Robinson addressed that training today and he also wanted to speak just in general about trades and MLS, transfers, who he might look to bring in, just some stuff like that. So here's a little bit more from Robbo. No, he's, he's one of a, a number of players that uh, we've looked at. Um, you know, to say that we've offered him a contract is, is totally untrue. We haven't. Um, we, we have looked at him. Um, but he's one of a uh, number of players that we've looked at, and you know it's it's difficult at the moment because of the cap scenario where we're we're able to do things uh, or we're not able to do things. Uh, so it's just an ongoing process, and you know unless players are free transfers, which obviously Julian is, but other players are, then we can't really do anything with uh, players that contracted to other clubs. So we'll move on. Um, is something going to happen in the near future? Maybe. Uh, there's no guarantee because obviously we're in a cap orientated league. So. We'll just continue to keep monitoring that and if we get someone in, great. If we don't, then we just uh, regroup as a group and we see what we can do between now and the end of the season. Are you actively trying to pursue something before September 15th? Well, I'm always looking. I said, uh, you know, I, I looked at 
trying to bring players in in January when I did and I looked at in July I've managed to bring in Kendall but we've also got targets in um, January of next year as well so if we can try and bring someone in now that I think will enable to help the group I don't want to bring a player in that's just going to sit on the bench or just be part of the squad they have to come in and be able to affect the team because we've got a very very good group of players here if they are then we'll seriously look at it if it's not then I'll just be a little bit patient and uh, maybe try and look to add a couple in January is um is there much trade discussion going on? It seems like at a league with everybody's yep. in, in playoff contention, it might be yep. hard to make a deal. It is hard. The amount of conversations you have about trades is, is phenomenal. You probably talk about 10, 12 different players a week, right. and maybe one gets done every month. So it's, it's all, you know, managers and GMs feel each other out and say, well, what are you looking to do? And they ask you who you're trying to move rather than just say who they want to move. And it's, it's, a, it's a chess game. It really is. And... You know, will we look to openly do it within the league? Yes, maybe. There are certain players that I do like, but you know, if I've got to give up one of my um, core pieces, you know, and I don't think it's worthwhile, then I won't do it because it's it's not about just the short term; it's about the medium and long term as well. And you know, there will be growing pains. I know that. Um, I'm willing to accept them. I have to accept them. Um, but the important thing is the group and, and making sure the the intensity, the spirit, the camaraderie stays amongst it, and it certainly is. So after Carl talked about that, I, I asked him as well. Just about the development of our young guys. We're, we're getting into the business end of this season now. There's a lot of guys that haven't played regular minutes. They might be called upon. We still might have a centre-back crisis in September because there's a very good chance that Johnny Leveron could be away with Honduras. Kendall Waston could be away with Costa Rica. Carlisle Mitchell could be away with Trinidad and Tobago. So the Whitecaps could lose three centre-backs during September. And then we're left with Andy O'Brien and Christian Dean. Now, Christian Dean obviously hasn't had a lot of game time this year, and the, the brief minutes that he has had, it hasn't been as a central defender, it's been as a left-back. There's other players too that haven't really had a lot of game time minutes, and who knows, I mean, an emergency could crop up that they're called upon. There had been talk in the pre-season that the Whitecaps were going to arrange a lot of kind of friendly games, they were going to have some games against Portland and Seattle, play three games up here, three games down there. That never happened. So it's something I wanted to ask Carol, just why that hasn't happened. Is there still plans to, to maybe get these players minutes and, and just just basically the future with the, with this, with trying to get these guys some, some game time just in case they are called upon? In pre-season, it was kind of mentioned you'd hope to play some reserve games against Seattle and Portland, yep. maybe three at home, three away. That hasn't happened. No. Is there... Why did it not happen? Do you have any plans to try and keep the fringe guys fit for this crucial end? Yeah, well, I think if you look at how many players that I leave behind when I travel, there's only probably two or three guys. Um, so, And the subs with with injuries and suspensions hasn't been ideal. So we'd be, I'd only be having five or six guys at, um, at 90 minutes competitive game. So it's pretty difficult at certain times. And we have looked at it. Um, it hasn't happened, you know, hopefully with the the intention of the USL team next year then you know guys will get more games next next year but you know we, we can arrange a game against UBC or SFU if we want to get them games but if training is as competitive as this then I'm more than happy to get their fitness within these sessions. Now the transfer window is now closed but the MLS roster freeze doesn't take place until mid-September. In that time the Whitecaps can still add players that are out of contract, do internal trades within MLS and of course promote some homegrown talent. Now, last year, Sam Adekugbe was promoted to the club in August. Marco Caducci joined the MLS roster in March this year. So the final thing I asked Carl today was, what's the chance of seeing a couple more homegrown talent added to the roster? In particular, I'm thinking of Marco Bustos and Kian's Froze. 
another couple of midfielders who we may not see any minutes this year, but it might give Carroll an option to have them on the bench and who knows, throw them on, get them a little bit of experience and see what they can do. So ask Carroll about that. Is there any chance that we can see these guys before this year's roster freeze? And then last year Sam kind of joined, I think, about yeah. August. Is there any plans for any homegrown additions this year? Maybe. Maybe, yes. It'd be good. Uh, another two youngsters into the fray would be very nice. So reading between the lines, I take that as quite a positive. And I do expect to see Marco Bustos and Kian's froze on the MLS roster, maybe even by the end of August. So that's it for this episode of the AFTN podcast. Hope you've enjoyed listening and you haven't just got bored too much of just listening to my voice. As we say, we hope to be back with a, a kind of pre-game show with Steve maybe later this week. If not, we'll try and do a post-game show, Portland pre-game show next week at some point. If you want to find out more about us, you can read all our stuff. AFTN is on Canadian Soccer News. You can get to there by going to aftn.ca, canadiansoccernews.com. You can follow me, Michael McCall, on Twitter at AFTN Canada. And I'm also the Whitecats beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and Soccerly.com. Also just keep an eye out because I'm going to be posting some things hopefully in the next few days. As anyone that's a long-time listener or anyone that knows me will know, I'm an East Fife fan. That's my team in Scotland, my local team. And the East Fife Supporters Trust, which I had a hand setting up before I moved over to Canada is in negotiations with East Fife to buy the club. Make East Fife another supporter's own club. A lot of hard work ahead, a lot of money needing raised. We're hoping to do a donation drive, maybe a Kickstarter campaign. So I'm going to be tapping you guys up. So any spare money that you've got, if you want to become owners of a football club in Scotland, if you want some nice maybe rewards for that as well, stay tuned, we'll see what we can do. So until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the caps. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the World Service of a Saturday afternoon, crackly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Mm-hmm.